1: Today, we're welcoming Dr. Harris Bram, who founded the New Jersey Pain Care Specialist, where he now brings the highest level of pain management care to his patients in central and southern New Jersey. So, Dr. Bram, welcome to the show.
2: Thank you very much.
1: How did you get involved in treating pain?
2: Well, I was involved... My residency is in anesthesiology, and part of being an anesthesiologist is pain control before and after an operation. And at that time, about 20 years ago, I became interested in pain management. Pain management was very was very new at that time; it was in its embryonic stage. And I decided this this is a very interesting field. And I decided to um, go for additional training after my residency. I did a fellowship training at Thomas Jefferson University Hospital in pain management, and in that training, um, I became. I I gained expertise in acute pain, which is postoperative pain, and what I do now is is more of the chronic uh, pain for um, patients with back pain and neck pain and different types of joint pain. Um,
1: So, I I mean, I I think everybody listening can um, relate to something, you know, with pain because it's it's a I think, impossible to be a human and not have experienced it at some point. Um, But, you know, it it seems to me traditionally we're quite limited with our options. So what are the options that are laid out for most people to manage pain?
2: Well, in general, um, pain, the first thing patients usually do when they have pain is they'll go to the drugstore and they'll they'll typically, they'll try over-the-counter medications such as Motrin or Tylenol. And then, if somebody has pain, let's say if it's neck pain or back pain, usually they'll do something conservative treatment, such as physical therapy, or they might go to a chiropractor. Um, acupuncture is also becoming um, very popular. Um, my, I become involved when when conservative treatments, the more uh, simpler treatments or traditional treatments don't don't work, and then they come to me to for advice in terms of of some form of an, of an injection, and it might be an injection in the in the in the neck or the back, or or a, or a, or a joint such as a knee um, or a shoulder. There are, and then there are specialists within my field that just focus, let's say, on cancer pain, and they have um, techniques just for that uh, particular type um, of pain. But in pain management, there are also there are, there are. It's almost as a step ladder. You go, you try medicine, you try therapy, um, you may try some of the simpler injections, and then there are some very um, much more sophisticated um, devices or things that we use, such as implants or things that we place in the body uh, to block pain. So there's a whole array of of things that people can do for their for pain management.
1: So when somebody um, you know tries, as you said, those traditional things, so Tylenol and you know physio and chiropractic, and those things don't work, what is the quality of life of somebody who's experiencing this chronic pain?
2: Um, the quality of life with chronic pain um, is it, it can be, it can have a minimal impact or it can have a very uh, devastating impact. Let's take the quality of life for somebody with just on. Pain medicine, pain medicines um, in general. Um, if there's a lot of um, of uh, literature and there's a lot of press coming out about 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 the pain medications, a, l- a lot of the dangers of the pain medications. In general, these medications um, they do help patients participate in the activities of daily living. The problem with the pain medicines is they have a lot of side effects, such as nausea, vomiting, constipation, addiction. And by addiction, I mean someone who's taking medicines to get high or to feel um, euphoria from the medication, not, and it's not really helping with the pain. It's just they're getting the, the, um, the high from it. And the medications also can lead to um, death. Again, the government is, um, the United States government is extremely concerned about diversion of these medications. They're 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 with these medications that they're concerned about um, our youth getting pain medications from their parents or grandparents, going to their medic their medicine cabinets, and then going down the pathway um, of addiction. So, with with the the medicines can be helpful. They can help to a degree. They never get rid of your they never get rid of your pain. And that's something that patients have to understand that with the medicines, yes, they can help, um, but you're, you can be tied to them and they'll only help to, in my personal opinion, opinion for chronic pain medicines, they may help you 20 to 30 percent. That's what I tell my patients to be realistic about what the medications can do for you.
1: That's a, a pretty small amount, especially if your pain is, is pretty debilitating, 20 or 30 percent um, effectiveness. Uh,
2: correct. Correct right. and yeah. the, 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 the 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 what happens is is that can we get rid of their pain with increasing the medicine? Yes, we can. Incre- if we increase the medicine, the higher you go, the more side effects um, that you get into, and and the potential for, for death from the medications as well.
1: Well, and I know that coming off of the medications, if somebody chooses to, or they either realize they're addictive or the pain is as cleared, can be difficult as well. There's a bit of a journey involved in just stopping the medication.
2: Correct. Coming, coming off of the medications um, can, be, can be a slow process. It can be a very uh, difficult um, process. There's the withdrawal symptoms from the medications themselves, which are the nausea, the vomiting, but more involved, what people need to realize is that there's also a feeling that what happens with the pain medications. The pain medications work on what's called the dopamine receptors, and these are pleasure. These are these are receptors in the brain that are that are also used for um, pleasure. What happens is that when you take the pain medications away the the medicines are no longer stimulating these receptors and the patients just do not feel well for pr- a very prolonged period of time and um and that's and that's a, and it's malaise they just don't and it can be for weeks like that and, it's, and that's that that's also something that you know that we have to deal with not just withdrawal the physical that they don't get nausea vomiting um run uh, um diarrhea but just this feeling I don't feel good I have malaise so coming off the medicines can also be difficult, and you have to be very careful with coming off the medications. Um, uh, it can be dangerous sometimes uh, for the patient. So it's uh, it's so again, you have to balance with the patient the positive and the negatives of the of the medications.
1: It sounds actually very complicated. Um, to even <laughs> approach that at all, to, to go on medications and then have all this stuff happening when you already have pain and you're already so uncomfortable.
2: Uh, correct. And nowadays, again, with, in the United States, the Federal Drug Administration has just put out um, guidelines for, it was predominantly for primary physicians on how to use the medications, how much medicines they should get, um, the dose that they should go up to, um and it's the way that America is now approaching um, uh, the medications is different than the way we approached it um, 20 years ago. Again, going back a little bit in the history, it used to be 20 years ago, doctors were afraid to give the medications. Around the time that a medicine came out, which most patients are probably familiar with, OxyContin, which is long-term Percocet, doctors became more comfortable with giving the medication, there seemed to be literature that yes, it was good. To, it was good to give the medication. The um, the medication is called the fifth vital sign, as opposed to just um, your blood pressure, your your pulse, etc. Pain is also a, uh, a fifth vital sign, and it changed the whole spectrum of how we treated treated pain. But now, as time has gone on, we're taking a, a different look at at pain management. The government's taking a different uh, stance on pain medicine through literature, through research, saying really, go less is better is really the, the, the bottom line. Less medication is better, and the patients they don't like to hear that, but that the data seems to be showing to to, to, to try to limit how much medication the patients get.
1: Well, I mean, one thing that you're doing is to help people reduce their pain without using these medications, and one of those things is stem cell therapy. Can you explain to us what that is?
2: Correct. So what's happened is is that we're, we're looking for different types of treatment um, to try to avoid medications, to try to make the patients more active. And stem cell treatment is a relatively new treatment for, for pain, and what Stem cells are what's, what are called pluripotent cells, or cells that are able to differentiate. In other words, a cell, you, you have a cell that can maybe differentiate into a tendon or into a muscle. It's a cell that can, can, has this capability of changing. And what stem cells are, are, are cells that we are able to obtain through the patient's fat, through the abdominal fat, or through through the bone marrow, uh, and then we can re-inject them into a part of the body that needs help or needs repair, such as in the knee or a joint, such as um, a shoulder, Um, and it's a very, very interesting um, form of of treatment.
1: So... um The the stem cells, of course, like how long has this been around for? It's making new waves now and people are talking about it, but has it been around for longer?
2: Okay, so stem cells, the interesting thing about stem cells is actually stem cell therapy has been around for, for, for several decades because stem cells are what are used in patients who are leukemia, who have bone marrow transplant. A bone marrow transplant is a stem cell transplant. And that's, that's kind of the interesting, why I became somewhat interested in this, is as a resident, this didn't actually make sense to me. Because if you have a, a leukemia patient, how do, what is a bone marrow transplant? They take a patient, they find a bone marrow match, somebody who's, who has good bone, who has good bone marrow that you can give to a patient that's sick. They take the sick patient, they give them chemotherapy, they they give them radiation they essentially wipe out their bone marrow then what you do is you take the bone marrow um, which you you aspirate from or you, or you draw out from the patient's uh pelvic region and but you infuse it you don't put it back into the bone you infuse it intravenously and then it restarts the patient's own um, uh bone uh, uh cell lines and they now produce. Uh, hopefully, they'll produce um, cell lines that are that are that are that do not have leukemia or lymphoma, for example. So, stem cells kind of they've they've kind of interested me for a long time. So, this 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 type of therapy, just the stem cell itself, has been around for 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 several for several decades. But for pain management, for injecting into patients into different joints, that's probably been around. In the in the area of a decade or so, that that has really become more 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 uh, people are are showing more interest in, uh, in pain management and other specialties.
1: So, there's um, it, what's the difference between the embryonic and the adult stem cells?
2: So the the embryonic cell is is a cell that that is just just as it is. It's a, it, it, an embryo is a very um, uh, it's a newborn, it's a very, it's, a, it's not a newborn, but it's a very, it's embryonic, it's new, it's a new cell, um, from, um, and it's, it, that type of cell is not something that, that you can inject in the United States. Um, that cell has a potential to different, to many different types of stem cell lines. The, the adult stem cells are called the mesenchymal stem cells, and those are the ones that we obtain from the bone marrow, um, or the pelvis. Um, and the again, the embryonic cells are the ones obtained from the embryo. Um, they're, 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 those would be grown in a the lab. They're they're not. That's not available in the United States um, at this time.
1: Okay. So, um, how does somebody choose if stem cell therapy is the right thing for them to help with their pain?
2: So typically, the patient. Um, the patients that I see, if this is something that they're, they've usually researched this on the internet. They've heard of talk so shows such as this. They've, they possibly have read about it. Um, if somebody comes to me or, or to choose this type of therapy, I'll want them to try the traditional therapies first, which could be again um, physical therapy, medications, possibly even standard therapies. For example somebody has knee pain, um, I will tell them, listen, why don't we try um, a steroid injection first, um, maybe some kind of um, supplementive therapy that you can inject or what's called viscose supplementive therapy to increase the lubrication in the knee. Stem cell um, comes in, in my mind, after that. The reason it comes in after, why does it come in first is because stem cell is consp- is investigational or experimental, and it's not it's not it's not in the traditional line of treatment. So my thought is try traditional things first, see if those work. If those don't work, let's try um, the stem cell.
1: Okay. Um, We're going to take a quick break. We're talking today with Dr. Harris Bram um, about pain management and stem cell therapy and how that can be helpful to you. Uh, So uh, tune in after the break. We'll be back shortly.
3: Your life, your health, your network. You're listening to Voice America Health and Wellness. We are bombarded with information daily about happy life strategies, beauty products, and business success ideas. Are they truly going to make a change or just take the change out of your pocket? Tune in to Shelly's Show and Tell with host Shelly Hancock. Shelly will explore and recommend proven business ideas as well as show you how to use the law of attraction to create health, happiness, and a prosperous business. Listen Mondays at 1 p.m. Pacific Time, 4 p.m. Eastern Time on Voice America Health and Wellness.
1: host, Dr. Rebecca Risk, and today we're speaking with Dr. Harris Bram, and we're talking about stem cell therapy and pain management. So, Dr. Bram, can you just explain to us what, um, a, a, what it would look like if somebody went through the process to get stem cell therapy?
2: Uh, so, what the procedure looks like is, first, the patient is properly evaluated to make sure that they're, that they're a candidate for their procedure. And there are certain uh, things that you want to make sure that they that they don't have that there's not an infection where you're going to be injecting into the site. Um, they don't. Um, I won't inject. Uh, take the stem cells if they have leukemia or lymphoma. So you want to properly evaluate the patient first. Assuming the patient's a, a, a good candidate, the patient's um, put into a, a procedure room, uh, and then it de- it depends um, where we take. The, the stem cells next. If we take it from the fat, um, we take it from just below the belly button. We make a small little um, incision with the scalpel and then we, we put some saline or, or salt solution that we do basically a mini liposuction. We've, we put some about 100 cc's of fluid into the abdomen and then we, we, we suck that back out. We bre- we break up the fat with the, with a the needle, and we suck out the the fat and the fluid together. If we use if we're doing it from the if we're using bone marrow, the patient's placed on their stomach. Um, again, these things are done in in sterile conditions. We numb up the skin. We insert a needle into the into the just into the buttocks region into the pelvic crest and we, and we take out about a hundred cc's of marrow, which is a bloody like, um, fluid that comes out. Um, we then, um, use a centrifuge to spin these samples down and then we take us, sp- and then from all this material that we obtain, which is about a hundred cc's or so, we get about seven to ten cc's that we're able to inject into our target, which could be, um, a hip, a knee, a shoulder, a joint. Um, and so the, the procedure itself is not, doesn't really take that long, probably with, a, with about an hour or so to do.
1: Okay. And, and is there any pain associated with this procedure or is it just the, you know, feeling of the injections?
2: Um, it's just basically the pain is, um, the local anesthetic, the local anesthetic, um, that that's basically it. When we do the, for example for the fat part where we're using a, a needle that we're inserting into the abdomen and doing like a mini liposuction and break up the fat we we use um, uh, we we mix the a local anesthetic into the saline solution so it numbs up numbs up the area in the for the bone for the bone marrow um, we don't we don't do that we use we just we just numb up the skin down to the bone and then the needle goes breaks through the bone into the bone marrow um it's really I would say it's not um, uh, extremely painful or very painful um patients i seem to me tolerate it fairly well
1: okay, and then how do they feel after
2: um afterwards they might be a little bit sore um we don't tell them to go out and you know run a marathon. Just take just take it easy. Most patients, um, you know, they, they they're they're are not in a hospital setting. You're not kept overnight. This is an outpatient type procedure. So they they walked in they walked into the procedure room. They walk out of the procedure room.
1: Okay. And how long does it take before they start to notice um, it,
2: it affects That's them? that's a variable with these types okay. of injections um, with stem cell. It can take weeks before you really um, notice notice a difference. It's not something you're going to, um, for example, have a steroid injection and you'll notice possibly within that day or a couple of days later. It can take weeks before you, you notice a change.
1: And so, you know, if you're talking about the steroid injections, those are um, reducing pain, but it seems to me the stem cells are doing much more. So um, how would you compare those two together?
2: So the the, the steroid injection is um, is is an anti-inflammatory injec is an anti-inflammatory injection. Number one, uh, it it is taking something. The, the beauty of the stem cell is you're using the body's own material to help repair something, as opposed to using something outside the body or exogenous to the body outside the body, and that we're injecting it. And with with the steroid. There are risks with the steroids. It can, you can't have allergic reaction to, to a steroid. Is it common? No. Um is it, it can raise your blood sugar. It can, it, it has different effects on the body, which you're not going to see with the stem cell. So part of regenerative medicine, by using the body's own material, what I like is that I don't have to worry about this particular risk, an allergic reaction. You know, I just don't have to worry about it with these, by injecting, uh, the, the person's own material back into the body.
1: Um, well, the, yeah, it sounds um, a lot better choice to me. I actually was one of those people that reacted to a cortisone shot when I had an accident. My I had bursitis in my shoulder, and uh, it was not the right choice for me. That's for sure.
2: Right. So. I mean, it does, it does, it does happen, and um, it, it's it's some of these you know these reactions when you tell a patient, listen. You may have an allergic reaction. This may happen. And it may be these, some of these things are very rare. But unfortunately, if it happens to you, it's not, you know, it's, 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 it can be a bad um, scenario.
1: Yeah. So you, um, you do another therapy as well called PRP. And can you tell us what that is?
2: So platelet-rich plasma is, um, is a different form, is a different type of treatment. I would consider this lower grade. Um, if we were talking about um, putting fertilizer in a ground and then um, it, with seeds and growing a plant, imagine that the PRP is like the fertilizer as opposed to a stem cell. The analogy that they use is the stem cell is the, is the seed that you're gonna grow, from that, that, that's gonna grow. So PRP, platelet-rich plasma, is actually a lower type of um, reparative procedure. But PRP, what it what involves is uh, well. Let's go back to what what what's in plasma. In when you when we draw a sample of blood, blood is is a mixture of plasma, which is the fluid in which all the cells float in, and you have red cells, you have white cells, uh, which are the red cells for oxygenation, the white cells for to fight infection, and then you have the platelets. And the platelets, the key to the platelets is the platelets are the reparative factors in the blood. They they repair the little cuts. They help repair different um, um, uh, things in the body. So what platelet-rich plasma involves is taking the plasma, which has all these this mixture of blood, white cells, red cells, and platelets, and concentrating it down to try to get to a very rich platelet uh, fraction, a very rich repair diffraction. And we take that little repair diffraction and we inject it into... Um, a ligament, or a knee, or a shoulder, and try to promote um, relief.
1: Okay. So, um, are there any negative effects for doing the platelet-rich plasma?
2: The negative effects would be similar to um, to to stem cell. Um, the in terms, it really you're really just injecting the material back into your own body. So I would say it's it's minimal. Um, there's minimal risk. The only risk is that you have to. We do have to draw the material out of your body. We do have to insert a needle uh, and draw out 50 cc's of blood, um, which is not which is not a lot. And the and the other risk is not of the PRP itself, or just that we have to insert a needle into a, a specific area to re-inject this material back into the patient. Again, we are re-injecting the patient's own material back into the body to help repair something.
1: Well, when you know, after our conversation about um, the side effects and risks of medication, that seems pretty minimal to me. <laughs> yeah,
2: uh, it's it is. I mean, it it is minimal compared to you know the the your your other your your other options. I would I would 100% um, agree with that. Again. The caveat, the warning here is that we're dealing with um, we are we are we're dealing in an investigational and exper and experimental type of of treatment and and but I would but as I tell every patient with whatever procedure that I do I don't make I can't guarantee no matter what it is something that's been around for many years that I do let's say an injection and in, uh, an epidural steroid injection which I might do for pain in the back or neck, I always tell the patient there's no guarantees in life. This may help, this may not help. Some people some people they help, some people they don't help. With 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 PRP and stem cell it's it's the same it's the same um, it's the same warning that I give the patient. Um, but I don't do things that I don't think have a zero chance of working. I'll only personally do things that I think have a, a chance of success
1: so um, can you give us just an example of somebody where this did work so that people can kind of bring the big picture together
2: where where uh, uh, where, sorry, stem example cells, where... where
1: stem cells helped their their pain and how that so process for, went. okay
2: so so an example would be I, I had a I had a woman she had hip pain um, she had tried physical therapy she had tried um, other forms of of. Treatment. She had had steroid shots, and now her her choice was coming down to um, surgery or no surgery. Now, the one thing with a joint, for example, um, a, a a hip or a knee, it won't work if you're in a situation where it's called bone on bone, where there's no where the two bones are meeting, there's no joint space whatsoever. These things can help. This particular woman, she had severe arthritis, but she did have some uh, some joint space still left. in In her, in this particular woman, we did the um, the stem cell, and within a month or two, her pain had markedly um, decreased. Um, she was feeling much better. Um, the, this this, are, this is you know this is you know quite a success. On the PRP side. I had a gentleman just recently. Um, he was on quite a, a significant dose of pain medications. He had also done the traditional therapies. He had done um, physical therapy. He had had traditional epidural injections. He had had an injection called hyal- Uh He had um, he had tried and and he came he came to me for um, another alternative. His alternative would be. Uh, traditionally, would be surgery. Would be one thing he could consider, which he didn't want to do. He w- and he was, and I felt that PRP may give him some some re- some relief, and it, and it actually did. And his medications um, markedly um, decreased.
1: Well, that's pretty significant, I think. I mean, um, yeah. when we talk about how we don't want to be on, you know, the side effects of the medications and and that sort of thing, it's nice to see that there is something um, obviously more natural because you're using the patient's body that and this can help them to change their quality of life and and everything else that they're doing.
2: Correct. I think it's. I think it's a very. I think these are very um, good good options um, I, I have one rule about these things if if, if I won't do something if I wouldn't do it in, in myself in other words if I wasn't gonna do the PR PR stem cell myself then why would I you know if I if I was in that situation then why would I offer it to a patient and so yeah. these are things I would do um, I have arthritis in my knees also and I'm not at that stage where I need it right now but if it came to it before I had surgery I would definitely try this first before personally. This is my own personal opinion. Before I would go for um, more knee surgery.
1: Well, I I always think that surgery should be a last resort where you've tried everything else, uh, especially because it you know it can have some side effects itself, and then you've done you know the last resort. Um, option, in my opinion. So if there's other things that can help us to avoid some, something so invasive, um, I think we should always try that first. Uh,
2: I would, I definitely agree with that. Surgery is always the last resort because with surgery, there's no going back. Once you've done something surgical, whether it be the the, the back, the neck, the knee, there is no going back. You can't say, well, you know, maybe we should have done this first. You can't go back. It's, the anatomy has changed um, and um, there, uh, always surgery is always. I agree is always the last resort.
1: So, are there any contraindications? Um, anybody who shouldn't do uh, stem cell therapy?
2: Again, the the contraindications are somebody, uh, somebody, um, somebody who has an infection. Uh, whether you're going to be drawing the material from or. In the site, let's say there's an infection, some a superficial infection or infection over over a joint or in the joint, you wouldn't want to do a stem cell. Somebody who's on a blood thinner, you probably won't. That's probably not a good idea. Somebody with um, a leukemia or lymphoma for a stem cell or PRP is somebody that you're probably not going to do. Other than that, other than that, um, you you can pretty much go ahead with it, except for those those few things. So most people would be. Um, adequate candidates.
1: Okay. Um, that sounds uh, like a great option as well with less side effects and um, okay for most people. Um, and then these, these results of getting off your medication and being able to um, get some of your life back as well.
2: Correct. I mean, the getting off medication now in the United States, keeping p- medication patients on the lowest dose of medications is what doctors, I think, are really aiming for. Um, and, I, and I personally, you know, we we, we we need to try, you know, look at all forms of treatment that to, to reduce medications, to reduce the patient's need for medications. And if we have options that are going to help them, make them more mobile, make them happier, I think we should apply them.
1: I agree. Um, So we are going to take a quick break. We're talking today with Dr. Harris Bram. He um, uh, is helping us talk about pain and stem cell therapy and how this can help you. Um, So uh, please tune in. We'll be back shortly after this break.
3: Opinions, options, answers. You're listening to Voice America Health and Wellness. Visit marchofdimes.org. Frankly Speaking About Cancer is a program designed to empower survivors and their caregivers to deal with the social and emotional challenges of cancer. The show will invite physicians, researchers, nurses, social workers, patients, and caregivers to share their advice on how to live a better life with cancer. Join host Kim Tibaldo, President and CEO of the Cancer Support Community, Tuesday afternoons at 1 p.m. Pacific Time and 4 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Health and Wellness Network. Opinions, options, answers. You're listening to Voice America Health and Wellness.
0: You are listening to Falling Through the Cracks with your host, Dr. Rebecca Risk.
1: Hi, everybody. Welcome back to Falling Through the Cracks. I'm your host, Dr. Rebecca Risk, and we're here today talking with Dr. Harris Bram. He is, uh, he founded the New Jersey Pain Care Specialist, and he deals with pain management as well as stem cell therapy. Um, so Dr. Bram, I know that we've talked a lot about how the stem cell therapy works, but I know there is some controversy around it. Can you just tell us what that is?
2: Yeah, there's, there's controversy in terms of um Where else can this technology be applied, for example, in my office, I have calls probably weekly patients calling with multiple sclerosis or multiple myeloma or brain injuries um asking about injections I personally don't don't do that i don 't um there there are people that do these things i 'm um, not saying that there's it's controversial, but there's there I don't think there's strong data to support it. Let me just take one step back in terms of if you were going to ask me, well, doctor, where is the the literature to support, let's say, PRP? PRP's main um, literature, the literature that supports it, is on tennis elbow. That's where they have the most uh, favorable results, uh, which is a which is a tendon type injury. But these therapies are being used um, around the world for different things, for um, traumatic brain injury, which I think is could be potentially very fascinating, for for um, COPD, which um, uh, chronic obstructive pulmonary disease, are doing these things on. But in my my opinion, is that the the, the it, it is that there's just not enough um, I think literature to support it. But literature in general, just to support the whole industry, they, we need a, we need a lot more literature to support stem cell and, P, and PRP. But in those particular regions, the, the for, for for multiple myeloma, for example, COPD, multiple sclerosis, I think is is not not as strong.
1: Well, I know in uh, in May there was a, a case in Canada where they were claiming they cured multiple sclerosis with stem cells, and it was pretty exciting for a lot of people because, of course, it's a pretty debilitating disease. And so, you're saying we still need more um, more studies on that to see exactly what for, for, what is doing. For the United
2: States, yeah, for the United States, they're going to they're going to have to be peer reviewed journals where, um, and we're going to have to you know have more more information. These are I, I consider those riskier areas. Um, the COPD, especially for trauma, traumatic brain injury, where they might be injecting directly into to the uh, spinal fluid. These cells. That you can you can you find places around the world. You know that that these things are being done. Sure, sure you can. Even in the United States, there are places that are doing different types of uh, therapies. But you know, hopefully we'll get more literature to see what areas are best. Um, supported if somebody calls me and says hey i have multiple sclerosis i'm interested in this type of therapy i'm not going to be doing uh, a procedure in that person because we we have traditional therapies that we know um, what the, the what the results are um, i won't be picking up a patient like that or for a patient with chronic obstructive pulmonary disease is are our therapies great no they're not great they do work you know hopefully we'll get better therapies as as time goes along these people do suffer a lot with breathing problems but i i don't see that we're at that point where we can at least i personally can't you know prescribe this type of treatment
1: so it just sounds like that needs it just needs some more time so we can know exactly what the effects are for um for these more chronic um and you know they are debilitating um and um Diseases, which is a little bit different than the pain that you're talking about, where you know it's inflammation and joint pain and that kind of thing. They
2: are obviously correct. very, very different. Correct, correct. Yeah. But it's you know it is in medicine. You know we try to take a certain therapy and see well where else can we apply this to that it may work, it may help patients, and that's what this is. That's what's happening with stem cell and PRP.
1: Um, which sounds like a, a great option. I think when we look at um, all the other other things, I like the idea of the stem cell um, of helping with the pain in, in that way. Um, you know it would be great in the future if it could be used for some of these more debilitating um, illnesses and so I think that's a um, a great option for later if we have the the studies like you said.
2: Correct. Correct. You know, if we get the, if we, you know, it's going to be many, many years in the United States before, you know, this ever becomes, if it ever becomes mainstream, um, it's more likely that these therapies will become um, approved more mainstream um, outside the United States.
1: So I, I know, um, I'm not sure if this is something you want to talk about, but I know some people go outside of the United States for stem cells. And if if they do that, because I know that does happen, is there something that they should look out for to make sure that's safe for
2: them? I mean, well, I, I can't. I would say, you know, there is there was just an article in the New York Times where somebody did go outside the United States for stem cell treatment, and it was in Mexico and, and had a very uh, bad bad outcome. I mean, I think you have to do your research, you know, about where you're going. I think anybody's that anybody that promises you that something's going to work 100% is probably not giving you the the best advice because nothing in medicine is 100%. Um, I think you have to do your due diligence. I can't tell you, you know, in every in every country, you know, what to look forward to look to look for, but you have to do your research. you, you can't you can't just jump at something. You have to to uh, investigate the, the doctors in the clinic and make sure that they are getting good results, maybe talking to other patients that have gone through the clinic and make sure that they're getting um, adequate results.
1: Um, and so, in in the states, um, are are uh, clinics mostly like what you do with with pain management, or you said there are some people doing um, the more they're, advanced things? They're, like they're,
2: the- they're they're mainly they're mainly what I do, mainly in joints. They're, but there are things that are coming out that they are they're they're injecting into discs now for people with degenerative discs. There are people doing that. Not in my particular state that I know of, but I know in California they've been they've done a fair amount of of work in injecting um, uh, PRP into disc or stem cells into disc, stem cell actually into disc to try to regenerate these discs, and they've gotten some very interesting results. Um, so so there most of the things in the United States are more traditional into the joints, but there are things where they're moving into uh, into disc. Um, there was one guy that was. A neurosurgeon that would that did inject, I believe, PRP into the brain out in California. Um, they seem to be a little bit more progressive out there in, in California.
1: Yeah, <laughs> I think in many things out there. In many um, things, that's true. Yeah, yeah. So, um, so when are we actually seeing a regeneration of joints and fluid when we're when you're doing stem cells?
2: You're you're seeing what you're hoping to see is a. Regeneration of, 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 of cartilage, of tendon, of muscle. Um, are you seeing a pristine joint come out? Somebody who has arthritis, no. You're not. You're not seeing that. But what you're hoping to see is uh, regeneration of, of some of the of the material um, in the joint. That's 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 the goal. Now the science over time is going to show whether that's really going to be whether that's going to prove itself or not.
1: Okay. Um, well, I can imagine if there has been some damage from the arthritis you can't you know I tell people that all the time you can 't turn that around one hundred percent, but you can um, help to repair some of it, and um, you can also slow or stop the progress moving forward correct and so does stem cell help it does it stop the progress of the arthritis as well or does it just slow it down a, by your um,
2: I'm, you know, I'm not going to be able. I'm, I wouldn't be able to answer that to stop okay. to stop the arthritis. I um I wouldn't be in a position to, to answer that to, to okay. answer that particular question. It's a good it's a good question. Um, it, it, I would say that these things. What you're hoping for is, you know, just to to help to be, to, to hold it at bay from for for, the, for a period of time. But is it going to completely stop it from eventually um, continuing? I don't think we. I can answer that, that type of question.
1: Okay. So um, do patients often have to come back and get um, this treatment done again?
2: Yes. So it, it, for these types of treatments, um, for example, PRP, we'll start with PRP, platelet-rich plasma. I tell patients there is no such thing as one and done. It's usually more than one. I don't give them a I don't give them a a number. Hopefully if it is one, it is one, but it could be two or three shots. It may be a shot, do one shot and do another shot a year or two later. I mean there are very various scenarios that ha- that happen. With stem cell, um, it seems it's the same scenario where you would do a shot, you may wait eight, ten weeks, see how the patient's progressing, and possibly do another shot um, following that.
1: Okay, and is there a possibility of their um, symptoms increasing for a short period of time, just because you've injected something into the area, so some
2: yes. inflammation? You meaning mean in- increasing the pain for a period of time. Yeah, yeah, that that does that that, that that does occur, and we I warn patients about that. So after, for example, a PRP shot, you know, we tell them, you know, you may increase your pain temporarily. You may see it for a week or t- two or two afterwards. Um, stem cell, the same thing. Um, maybe with your activity level, you know, um, decrease your activity level a little bit initially, and then build it back up over the next several weeks.
1: Okay, so just like, um, I mean, a lot of therapies will do that as well because you're stimulating the immune system, and of course, you're um, trying to heal that area. So, which is what inflammation is—is is an attempt to heal. Correct. Um, Correct. So, it's, it's, not, it's, yeah. not,
2: it's not uncommon to, to aggravate something, you know, even even the even the the shots I do, steroid shots, that I tell patients, you know, it may aggravate your pain temporarily before you notice a decrease in pain.
1: Okay. Um, and uh, do they use medication at that time just to keep it down? Is that something you recommend?
2: Um, usually it's just Tylenol. It's something, okay. something simple. For PRP, where you're using the platelets, you don't, wanna, you don't want a patient to be taking um, Motrin or, or, or naperson Advil, for example, because they can affect the platelets. So you want, for, for example, PRP, you don't want them to take Motrin before or after for at least a week before or a week after. Um, so usually what I tell my patients is just to take Tylenol afterwards for, if you have an increase in pain from a PRP. From, from the stem cell, depending on how it's done, you may also want to give them the same advice. And if need, need be, we can give them um, a short, short-term short pain medication that we can prescribe.
1: Okay. And then they just manage it until it gets better and then you, you watch how it goes? Correct. Okay. Um, so if somebody's going about looking for um, this therapy in the United States, um, how can they find somebody?
2: Well, most of these doctors that do some form of injection can be found on the internet. If you just put in regenerative medicine, platelet-rich plasma, stem cell, you can find, you can usually find somebody in your area. From that point on, you may have to do a little bit more research to find out if, you know, meet this doctor, meet a few of these doctors to see which one would be the best choice um, for you, like any like any physician that a patient um, might be looking for. If you want to see an orthopedist. You might see one orthopedist, then you might get another opinion from another orthopedist just to get an idea of what your options are. So most of the doctors in stem cell and regenerative medicine can be found, um, many of them through the internet.
1: Okay. And uh, your clinic is in New Jersey?
2: That's correct. Correct.
1: Okay, and um, do you just um, you treat people mainly in New Jersey, or do you have people travel to you?
2: I have. I'm, I'm mainly in New Jersey. I do see some patients from 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 out of state. Um, I did have a patient that was getting PRP, actually, that was going all the way out to uh, to Utah, um, and it, and I started and I started seeing him, and he was he was also out of state, but m- the majority of my patients are from the the, the the New York, the tri-state area, the New York, New Jersey um, area.
1: Okay. And your clinic has been in um, establishment for quite a while?
2: Well, I was with a much larger practice that I established for many for many years um, when I came out of my fellowship. This particular practice that I'm the sole practitioner has been around for four years, but I've been in practice for over 20 years.
1: Okay. Um, and so how can somebody find your clinic if they're interested in in finding Um you? they can
2: they can find me by by the um, by the internet going to www.njpcs.org um, they can call me um, my my telephone number is 732-720-0247 um would be you know happy to schedule anybody who wants to be seen for an evaluation and if they're appropriate for this form of, of treatment.
1: Okay. And do you have any last-minute advice for anybody who's thinking about getting this therapy done?
2: Again, this, is, this, this type of therapy is very new. People like new things. They like the sound of stem cell. Um, it's a very exciting field. Um, if you're interested in having this done, at least for the patients that I see, I like the patients to go through more traditional therapies first, leave this for um, later on. The only exception to that rule is is an athlete, somebody like like uh Tiger Woods had thing uh had PRP done or Dwight Howard. Those 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 that specific demographic athletes, they need to get back to sports very quickly. They might jump ahead in the line, they don't have time to go through all the therapy, all the medication, they, need, they want to get back to activity as soon as possible, that situation is one of the few situations where I'll move them up into an injection, a PRPR PR stem cell, uh, very rapidly.
1: Okay. So, tr- so try everything else first, see how it goes, and then assess if stem cell is the right that choice would be, for that you. That would
2: be my, my advice.
1: Okay. Um, well, that's, that's great. And I want to thank you so much for joining me today. This was a really great show. Thank you. Um, So today we were talking with Dr. Harris Bram. Um, He is a a medical doctor um, who founded um, the NJ Pain Care Specialists, and he deals with pain management, and we talked today about stem cell therapy. Next week we are going to be um, talking with Simone Ravix um, about debunking misconceptions about the brain. So be sure to tune in uh, to hear about that and make today a great day. Thanks so much.